What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Everybody, we uh, as we get ready for Rangers spring training, and it gets closer and closer. Uh, obviously, the pitching situation and the pitching rotation, in particular, becomes more and more of uh, uh, the focus. And as we get closer, we are joined by Doug Brocale, Rangers pitching coach, to talk about that pitching staff. Doug, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You are in that busy time of the year. Time to get ready and get going. You're down in Houston, though. Are you are you inundated by Super Bowl fever yet? You know, not really. <laughs> um, even though it's down here, I know that all my buddies have things going on. They want to go to this party and that party. I, I don't. I don't do the NFL stuff. I'm too busy with the other stuff. Is, has Has anybody uh, called you demanding tickets from you? They have, and then they don't realize that baseball and football aren't the same thing. <laughs> I think they think that uh, we can just get our hands on stuff. The problem is, is I've had a few guys want to run out the house, but you can't. You know, we're living here. So <laughs> all the hotels are booked. That's pretty inconsiderate of you, isn't it? To be in Not your own really. home. <laughs> I, I saw something last night that like the residence in at the Galleria was going for nineteen ninety nine for a one bedroom on Saturday night. So that's not bad. Nineteen dollars ninety nine cents. Uh, yeah. Um, all right, so let's get to uh, let's let's get to the starting rotation. And for me, the big question is not necessarily at the top, but it comes in the middle and below. Um, uh-huh. I think that everybody feels like you, Darvish, and Cole Hamels give this team as good a one-two as as there is in the American League. I, I want to start at Martin Perez because I, yeah. I, I think last year I had the impression that he was going to have a breakout season, and I think by getting to 198, 199 innings. Last year, that was a big step forward. What has to happen for Martin Perez to become a to realize his full potential in the big leagues? Well, you know, Martin has good stuff. I think we can all agree there. Um, I think he just needs to realize how to use his stuff. You know, last year I think was a big stepping block. He threw a lot of innings for us, but it, it's one of those things that. You know, I, 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 not that I guess I expected a lot more. You know, I, I don't like throwing that on a guy. Right. But uh, I'm looking for a lot more this year. And, you know, in our conversations coming into spring, we're going we're gonna to sit down. This is where we need to get better. This is what you have to do to be successful. And I think, I think letting him know, you know, after being there a year and Brad and I being able to work together and, and pulling all the guys from the video in and, and having Todd do what he's doing for us, I think we're going to be able to take take his struggles and make his struggles a little bit better, or a lot better, hopefully. How much of it, Doug, do you think Martin's situation 
is uh, mental and how much of it is physical? I don't think any of it's physical. He's got great stuff. God gave him an arm that is just unreal. You know, I I think he gets mixed up sometimes with with uh, trying to live too much with one thing. And I, I think that we can cut back on pitches. I think that uh, we can cut back on pitch count. You know, there's games he goes out there and he rolls, and then all of a sudden you look up, he's in trouble, and we can't get out of a jam. But, you know, he fought through some of that last year for the first time in a while and, and kind of help him, helped himself out and, and learned how to get through some of those jams. But uh, I, think, I think most everybody's problem is mental. You know, it's, it's what we have that day. You have to know if your stuff's good. If it's not, you have to battle. And uh, it's, it's getting through that battle. Well, that's, that's all mental to me. So, And not saying that he's a, a mentally fatigued pitcher and he doesn't know how to battle. I'm not saying that. It's recognizing the situation. What am I going to do here? How am I going to get us out of this jam? How am I going to give up one run instead of three? You know, <laughs> and uh, I, think, I think in the long run, this kid's going to be a really, really good so when you when you get Martin to the mental level you want you hope to get him to, what do you got? You probably have a number two guy. Number two, number three guy is consistent for the next ten years in the big leagues. See, and this is this is my theory on how the Ranger pitching staff will work for for fans who aren't who aren't up to date. You know, we we like to slot pitchers into one, two, three, four, five. Sure. You've got in Darvish and Hamels. You've got guys. I think Doug and I would you would agree with this that you've got two guys who qualify as number ones, and so you're going to have a number one pitching in a number two spot. So that gives you an edge right there. Um, I, I think there is, and, and we can get to Tyson Ross in a minute. I think there is a perception that Tyson Ross, when healthy, is a number three, a solid number three pitcher. So you're you're capable there. And if Perez is reaches his full maximum potential, this is a three, or as you said, a two, and he'll be pitching in what amounts to either the three or four role. So again, you're you're kind of a step up on where he'll match up in the rotation that day. And that doesn't even bring us in to Andrew Kashner, who I also want to get to in a minute, who's got, I think we all would agree, has got great potential, hasn't really realized it in the in the big leagues. But is that kind of how you look at how this kind of shapes up? Oh, absolutely. You know, it, you, you look back over the years and you, you look at arms and, and you look at stuff. Stuff-wise, um, we have the potential of having, you know, guys that have number two, number three stuff all the way across the board. Cash, for some reason, you know, had some, had, had some issues that took him away from his head, started working around the ball, didn't stay on top of his slider. Uh, the the fastball literally got flatter. Um, you know, you're talking about a guy that hasn't really dabbled with the changeup. I, I think the changeup is going to be a big pitch for this guy. I think if we continue to build on it and work on it and, and get it to where it needs to be, he's going to throw less pitches. Same with T. Ross. You know, he, here's a guy that was a number one, probably has number one stuff. Those through 200 innings, punched out 200. Uh, <laughs> led led the staff there in San Diego and and you know ends up having TOS which I don't I don't consider an arm surgery right I, I just consider it a setback and and we move forward it's a it's a pretty simple rehab <laughs> and then I see the guy through his his first you know 
weighted ball against the wall, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's where he needs to be. You know, I was I was debating before we signed him on calling him after I saw the video and saying, hey, sign with us, sign with the Cubs, sign with the Yankees, whoever, that's where you need to be. That's, that's a natural arm slot. It gets you down through your pitch. It gets you out over the, your front side, you know, for health health reasons for the, for the guy. And then he gets, you know, we get him, and it's like, oh, thank God, because if he continues – with that delivery, he's just going to put himself in a in a good spot, so that you know he's number one. He's going to throw less sliders. He's going to be able to use his sink more. We have a we have a excuse me a left side of that infield that's going to gobble up balls. Mm-hmm. He's not going to have to punch out as many guys. He's going to be able to rely on you know all these guys are going to be able to rely on their fastball and contact and early contact because of our defense. You know, when when I looked up some of these guys' numbers, I went, okay, what what's going on here? Why the walks? You know, they punched out a lot. That that tells you they have good stuff. And then you look and you see how how uh, the struggles with the defense in San Diego were in in '15. You're like, okay, all right. So convince them, hey, you don't have to punch everybody out. Let's, let's throw our sliders like we know how to throw our sliders. Let's not try to, you know, take it on the plate, off the plate. Let's take it down. Let's get the ground ball. Let's move forward to the next hitter. So, All right, I want to I want to finish up on Martin Perez real quickly, and, and, and then we'll move on to, to the rest of the rotation. Sorry about that. That's all right. No, 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 that's okay. I, the one last question I had on Perez is this, and, and as you know me, I'm, I'm a tremendous coward, so I live in fear all the time. But I, given the amount of innings that Perez pitched last year, and the fact that he's going to pitch in the WBC and there will be some chunk of time during spring training that you won't have your hands on him, what is your concern level on on health and preparation? Uh, honestly, not much. I had Jeff Jones. Jeff Jones is a pitcher, pitching coach for the WBC. I had Jonesy. We've been in contact. Um, <clears throat> I trust him. Um, basically told him to wear out everybody else in the West and leave my guys alone. But, uh, <laughs> I like that. It's That's good. an excellent strategy. Yeah. <laughs> but, hey, you, you got to get ahead of the game, right? Exactly. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things, when, when I talk to Jeff and I talk to Leland, they're not going to they're not gonna let these guys get hurt. They're going to monitor them. They're going to go by, you know, what, what Jonesy and I talk to each other about. They're going to follow that plan to a T. And you know, I have no worries there. You know, do, do I want my eyes on? Him? Do I want Brad's eyes on him and, and our our coaching staff? Yes, I do. But I I trust that the direction I've given to to Jonesy is going to be followed to a T. He'll and I know he'll he'll get the job done. So not not really. You know, am I concerned? I I do have concerns, but it's one of those things. Most most of what I want to cover with Martine is. On the preparation and the mental side, versus the physical side, and we'll just make sure that uh, we spend a little more time when we have them here. Doug, you know, uh, whenever you know, we're, we're conceding obviously on you, Darvish and Cole Hamels, that, that they're the one-two. Um, and uh, I, I do want to ask you though about the, the end of, of uh, Hamels' season last year. Uh, and he had pitched so well all year long. In, in your mind, what, what went wrong there at the end? Well, uh, you know, Cole and I talked about this not too long ago. Um, we, we, he, it was one of those things. If, if you rewatch the game, we, 
we didn't pitch to his arm side whatsoever. We, we, you know, the mistakes we made were in. We got hurt in. Um, Cole has a phenomenal sinker. He has a phenomenal changeup. And I think, I think that we just got away from that, and, and we used a lot of cutters and, and rode a lot of balls in and, and swept a lot of, you know, breaking balls to the back feet. Um, <clears throat> that being said, uh, we've talked about it. I, you know, when, when Cole Hamels calls you and he says, you know, man, I have a good sinker. Uh, yeah, I'm not arguing with you. You know, I was kind of, I was kind of like, okay, where are we going with this? And you know, we had a good talk. He's like, listen, I, I have to stick with my strengths, 100% guaranteed. You know, I, I, I concur. And I think in that game, I think that uh, we just got away from, <coughs> from pitching a game that I, I, I think could have gone a totally different way if, if um, we didn't make the mistakes in. So did he call you? Did you guys have a conversation this winter, a phone call this, this winter? Yeah, mm-hmm. we had a couple of them. It was a good conversation. This guy's ready to roll. You know, yeah, he's he... done a lot of foundation work lately, and and I think <laughs> I think when uh, when the bell rings, he's gonna he's gonna be ready for for this spring training more so than anybody. Well, he did. I, I I think he feels that he let this team down just through conversation. That you know he's like, man, I've got to be better than that, and. It, it, it was good to hear. You know, you, you never realize how much a guy takes upon himself, the responsibility. But I heard it out of his mouth. And, uh, you know, that's what makes him a great leader. You know, I, at, at the end of the division series, I, I wanted to talk to Cole. He obviously didn't pitch game three, but I think he was as disappointed as anybody. And he, he, he actually did not want to talk after that game. Um, and, and, and last weekend, he talked to Jerry Fraley. Uh, of our staff at his camp here in Dallas, and he said all this, all the things that you just mentioned, Doug. Talked about letting the team down, that he's got a lot more, and that he really let this kind of drive him a little bit this winter. Uh, you know, that's that's the feeling I got because right after that game, you know, I walk in, he's just staring into dead space, and he goes, "We have to win. I need a do-over." Right. And and unfortunately. You know, sometimes this game doesn't give us do-overs. Um, you know, plans were we win that third game, and he wins the fourth, Darvish wins the fifth, and we don't we don't worry about it. The we Cubs don't go, go to the White House, right? Yep. And you know, you, you you watch the playoffs, and you know, hey, good for those teams. I'm not I'm not saying that at that point in time we were better than those teams. We we didn't play up to our potential. Of, right then in the playoffs but as as you sit there and you go over the scouting report and you go back and look on how the other team's pitching we go my god three of my guys if i only used three could have done that mm-hmm. you know and <clears throat> when you sit back and you realize the talent that we have and the the the, the trials we went through with you know colby getting hurt and and Darvish having to miss so much time early, and it's like, okay, all right, just give us a healthy year. Give us a healthy year, and let's see what the the Texas Rangers can do. The uh, um, the other guy in the rotation I wanted to bring up with you is is Tyson Ross, and uh, clearly a signing with a lot of upside. And this is a guy who chose the Rangers over the World Champions uh, when it came down to it. 
But I, th- there seems to be some question about this is another guy coming back from thoracic outlet surgery, and I, I agree with you. It's not it, in most cases, it's not an arm surgery. This is a surgery to remove a rib, and and that allows for better circulation, so you don't have to worry about the muscles in the arm. What is what's the time frame for you for when you think this guy could could be a factor for your rotation? Or how are you looking at that? Well, you know, here's the thing. I want I want 100% health. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if we get into spring training and he needs a little more time, we've already talked about this, we're going to give it plenty of time. Um, that being said, I've run, I've run it probably four ways trying to put the rotations together and where is this guy going to fit in and where is he with his rehab and, and get notes from our medical staff on how far he is and what he's doing as far as his throwing program and is he going to be off the mound opening day of spring training. And I run it, and every time I run it, I get only <laughs> – I've run it four times, and I've only gotten one day closer each time. But I do have him scheduled if all, if all goes well, if there's no setbacks, if there's no extra time needed – and of course, we're going to involve, you know, Tyson in this. If he, if he thinks he needs more time, we're going to give him more time. But I have him five to six innings at 95 pitches, uh, either two days. I have it four days, three days, two days, one day before camp ends. Okay. So, so that's if everything goes right and he continues and he doesn't need more time or he doesn't feel that he needs you know, extra extra distance on his long toss prior to us hopping off the mound. And that all goes on what what he says and how he feels and what the trainers say. And, and obviously we're going to add our two cents in. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the nice thing is is we've got, we've got coaches here and staff here that love to coach and love to do what they do. And we've been looking at numbers. We've been looking at strikeouts and walks and hits and – and locations where guys are throwing, and we already have a step up on this. You know, when we get there, I'm going to be able to show guys, hey, we can pitch up in the zone. Here's where we can do it. We have to make our pitches here. This is why. This is where we're not having success. This is where we're having success. So, you know, as as far as that goes, that's that's, that's just, you know, putting a plan together and trying to follow a plan and, and get a guy to use his best stuff, but you know, I've gone over this with all the guys, you know, your Hamels, your Darvish, your Perez, Cash, Ross, Griff, Gonzalez, Hoschild, Mendez, Sadzik, Wagner, uh, you name it. Right. You know, and and then I don't even worry about the pen. Uh, you know, the pen is the pen. Right. I, I worry about rotation. The, the one question I have about the pen, and, and – and I think as, as this team goes to camp, with, with the question of Ross still being there, I think by and large this team uh, pitching-wise is, is pretty settled. I think overall, depending on what happens with, uh, with the, a Mike Napoli potential signing, this, this roster is pretty settled. But with the, the late news that Jake Diekman had a flare-up with his ulcerative colitis, it does leave a, a significant hole in, in the bullpen, um, certainly for the first half of the year. And for me, the obvious question is, 
and I hate asking how questions, but how important is it for Andrew Faulkner to to regain some level of trust this spring training? Oh, it's highly important. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is you know it, nothing nothing to take away from Alex Claudio, but he's not your typical lefty. You know, here, here's a guy that gets righties, lefties. He's a freak. Um, you know, we we need that left on left. Right. Um, you know, we can get Falk to the 215 season and backtrack. I, I wouldn't be that worried. Um, you know, we brought him in, brought him into the mini camp. Uh, I took baby steps with him, wanted to fill out where he was. And, you know, last day, last couple days, I think it was the last two days there, we had some pretty good conversations. I think Andrew thought maybe, you know, but by the way, as, as brash as I was, um, it was, yeah, I wasn't being mean, but I told him what he, you know, what he needs to do. And we need to get back to, you know, him being able to hide the ball a little bit, him being able to just pound the strike zone and attack. And um, I think we have enough there that if we can get him to believe in his stuff, we, we've got something that's outstanding. But he, he needs to get back to that. Do you do you have an alarm there, Doug, that when you Darvish wakes up, it, you you get a sound on your phone? Was that no? That was that was actually one of that was AJ Griffin calling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had that kind of alarm. All right, yeah. well, no, that's that's so my old ears can hear it. <laughs> I'm right there with you, Betty. I'm right there with you. Uh, uh, we will let you run, and um, thank you for taking the time this morning. Uh, let you get to AJ Griffin and. Uh, uh, get him all straightened out. So thank you again. Absolutely, gentlemen. You guys have a wonderful day. Take care, Doug. Thanks, Thanks Doug. All right. Bye bye. Does 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 Doug live very far outside of Houston? Can we go down and spend the night there, then go to the Super Bowl? I think he. I want to say he lives in Missouri City. Uh, let, let, let's turn to our none, Houston, none of those Astros live inside Houston. Let, let's he's, he's, let's let's talk to our Houston expert. How far is Missouri City from? From you know from Reliant or oh from Reliant whatever the uh, stadium is called now. yeah well it's going to go in downtown but it's like everybody in Houston if you lived I grew up in Houston and if you got on the from where, from our house you got on the freeway there was no traffic it took thirty minutes to get downtown and what did it take right, on but, real, in real time yeah longer than that but know. that was I mean let's face facts that was on your horse oh. <laughs> You get off your high horse, Evan Gray. Uh, hey, hey Evan, I had a thought while, while Doug was talking. Are we coming to the day and age, the time when there might be a pitching coach for the rotation and a pitching coach for the relievers? Well, you essentially have that. I okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, right. bullpen coach. Brad Holman, the bullpen coach, okay. is, is, is his primary role is, is the relievers. I, I think what you've got in Doug is you've got a guy who was a reliever as a big leaguer, and so he's certainly got the ability to um, – to identify with a lot of the things that relievers go through, particularly slumps. But, you know, his his duty by and large is to prepare those starters for their starts. That That's where his responsibilities lie. I got to say, he, he surprised me a little bit. You know, I, when uh, – so you go from uh, the former pitching coach is a very cerebral guy and, and – uh, and you know the the Vulcan grip on the shoulder and all the ho- the whole thing, all the all the stuff that he would do, uh, and they go to Doug, whose reputation uh, as a player was a hothead. 
you know, and and so emotional. Yeah, generally speaking, a guy who's real emotional on the field, you don't think of as a really cerebral guy. And so, uh, you know, I, I wondered how that would go over. I mean, what's going to happen here? Does he want a bunch of guys like, you know, Al Herbosky? You know, is that, is that who he's going for, that type of approach? And it doesn't seem to be that at all. And when you, you listen to him now and you, and you, uh, you talk to him, he's very thoughtful. Uh, you know, he's funny. He, uh, you know, he, he, has a, he has a plan for these guys. And he's, and he's not, you know, there was a, and I, I don't take, expand from that, Back to the Martin Perez question. Remember, you know, when uh, when Tanner Shepard's got the start, uh, the start of the season, instead of Perez. It should have been Perez's start. Uh, they threw Shepard's out there instead because they didn't – they thought that it would be too much for Perez. This, this kind really. of – and I've – over time, I've kind of grown weary of this narrative that Perez is too emotional. Mm-hmm. I think what Doug explained is there are periods of time when he falls too in love with a pitch and he may believe too much in that pitch, but this kind of hothead— Is that uh, stereotyping of him? I think so, yeah, I really do. Uh, because Cole Hamels is as emotional a pitcher as the yeah, Rangers have. right. And, and I think that at some point in time this spring, if you go back with Cole Hamels and revisit game one of the LC of the division series last year, he will say that he let his emotions get away from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, that was kind of, for lack of a better term, in my mind, a, a false narrative. But I, I'm interrupting your point. No, no, that, that, and I, but I think, you know, a guy like Perez, I will say, I don't know, I never thought of Perez as hot-headed. I always thought of Perez as, as uh, a little bit afraid, a little timid, and, and maybe not believing in his stuff enough. Uh, that was, because, you know, you talk to him, and oh my gosh, you just feel like he's about to break down. While you're, when you're talking to him, sometimes, and so, and, and with a with you a have pitch, that, you have that effect on people. I do. The, the, with a pitching coach like Doug Brocale, big, burly, uh, emotional guy, you think, oh, I want to crush this guy. Uh, this guy's not for me. I don't. I don't want this guy in my rotation. But here is, and I don't think we get that. Here is the difference, and and these methods work for different guys in different ways. But you mentioned a cerebral pitching coach, and by and large, my experience with the cerebral pitching coach, which is. You know, if, whether you want to mention Rick Peterson or whether you want to mention Oral Hersheiser. Or Tom I House. Tom House. I Tom knew House. we got to get to that. Tom House I didn't have personal experience with. Rick Peterson I didn't have personal experience with. But We had personal experience with Oral. But with Oral and with Mike, the cerebral That's pitching Oral coach. Oral Hersheiser. Yeah. The, the cerebral pitching coach has has a lot to tell you, has a lot to say, mm-hmm. and there's it's not necessarily always inclusive. Right. It is. I want you to pitch according to this plan, which I have spent an enormous amount of time preparing, researching, and doing all this work for you. I want you to pitch according to this plan. I think what, what one of Doug's strengths is, is, and in particular with you, Darvish, because when I talked to you at the end of last year on several different occasions, he went out of his way to extol how much he likes working with Brocale. Mm-hmm. Because there is that give and take. And because there is this, okay, you've got something to bring to the conversation, and I've got something to bring to this conversation. And and for certain guys, you know, they just want to be told, okay, do this and you'll be successful. Right. But there's other guys out in the big leagues that you've got to be able to bring into the mix. And and that is where I think Doug's real real strength. If there's a strength over Mike Maddox, I would think it's kind of that, that air of inclusion where I think Mike – put so much pride into his prep work and so much pride into his research. And whether it was dealing with Ron Washington or or Jeff Bannister or on the other end, his pitchers, it was like, 
hey, just trust my plan. Yeah. Trust what I've done here. I think, you know, in going back to Tom Tom House, I'll give you an example one time. When when Bobby Witt had one of his really eureka moments, and there was for half a season he was really good. I think this was probably 87, 88, something like that. And, and, uh, and Bobby Valentine – was not happy about the uh, everybody talking about it because what had happened, Bobby. Hang Bob- on a minute, hang on a minute, Barry. Do you need to do any more reconstructing around the studio? Yeah, I'm just trying to make a little home improvement here. Home improvement. Is that is that they they'd sit Bobby down uh, and then he'd come back up. And so uh, Ferguson Jenkins was working with some of the minor leaguers at the time, and uh, and so everybody was writing about how uh, you know that Bobby had got come back. From this time uh, off, or this time down, and boy, he, he just really had found it. Well, he didn't, he didn't find it long term, but he did find it for the rest of that season anyway. And Bobby Valentine was very perturbed by this whole thing. He says, "What? What is Fergie telling him that we're not telling him?" And my my point was, maybe it's because it's Fergie Jenkins telling him that. Well, well it, but here is the the other part of what you were saying, and you, I think this also goes into place. No, I was just going to say when 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 uh, Moses went up uh, up the mountain, he talked. Oh to, my God! He, he talked to Bobby Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh. But this is and and this is again where you get the weaknesses, the flaws. Every manager has them. Every, yeah. uh, one thing that I think uh, with with Brocale, the inclusion aspect goes to, okay, Brad Holman grew up with some of these guys in the minor league system. Danny Clark in the minor league system has relationships with some of these guys, and those guys are you have to be secure enough to say. If they have relationships with these guys and there's something that I'm not reaching them with, if they want to talk to these guys, that's great. There's another school of thought that says, okay, we have this philosophy. It starts with the pitching coach. It goes through the bullpen coach. Mm -hmm. It goes down to the minor leagues. And everybody has to say the same thing. And that's not how it always works. No, and, I, and I think it's that's true also in the hitting approach. We, we, we always like I, I post it, you know, that he's the he's the hitting coach. We bring him up, and just the other day, Elvis says, "Noah Justin Mayshore, you know, is a, was a guy who's really helped me." And, I, and I've really almost heard that more when guys go out of their it. way to praise the assistant hitting coach, and, and, and they praise they praise Iaposa, but they also appro- uh, uh, they also praise Mayshore, and it's the same deal. Mayshore worked with all these guys in the minor league system. Yeah. So many of these young hitters know him, and he's got he's got a head start. And I think I, I think that if there was a criticism on 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 Dave Magadan within the organization, it was that okay, the the approach starts here and it just kind of goes down linearly. Mm-hmm. And I think that that what Jeff Bannister wants is concentric circles, for lack of a better term, that one overlaps the other, they all interlock. There's, you know, guys do kind of think outside their box a little bit. And that's the coaching approach that I think the Rangers have right now. Which works as long as everybody's ego is in line. It, it, it works until it doesn't work. And then you swing the other way and say, well, we got to have somebody who did because they're hearing from too many different voices. Right. Mm-hmm. So for now, this is the approach. Yeah. All right. We got to go. We got to get to um, NFL Senior Bowl and Cowboys draft talk because it's never too early to start on that. No, never. never, never. And never, then speaking never. of drafts, we'll, um, we're going to talk about Mavs and the lottery, even though this is the hottest team in basketball. The hottest right team in uh, basketball. Uh, Evan, before we go, how many uh, weeks to uh, till you'll no longer to the be what? till you get to spring training? <laughs> to the what, Barry? <laughs> Evan, till you get to spring training. Over. I, I'd, I'd leave, like to know when leave, we'll have more room in here to do the podcast. Wow. Uh, next week will be my last week in the office for a while, but you know I'll always join you on the television. Oh, I know. You'll track we'll, us we'll, we'll try to bring you in. Seriously, we'll, we'll try to get you on. 
But but try to have <laughs> guests for us. Let me let me just <laughs> let me just say this before we leave, and and to assure all of our listeners that nothing happens at this podcast without me saying so. Wow, well, that is you know what we, the sad thing is. He's Al Hagen. He really he really believes it's true. Yeah. We we have the linear method here. We don't have the inclusive the method. concentric no. circle method you, that no. you just introduced. You were you weren't in on that meeting. What meeting? You guys had a meeting without me? Yes, we did. All right, we got to go. Let's get to Dane Brugler. Okay. Talk to you guys. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.